Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Seminole Rap Podcast here on the Tomahawk Nation Network. I'm your host, Brian Pellerin, along with Perry Costadikas and Juan Montalvo. A uh, tough weekend in Florida State Nation for sure. 20-17 to 17 final score against Jacksonville State. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, so just about 24 hours ago. Um, uh, 24 hours is not enough time to recap from this one. Perry, how you feeling? You're better? Okay with this one? I don't think I've gone through like the seven stages of grief yet. I think I'm still in denial because it's just like, there's no way that they just threw up a pass and caught it and like easily, it'll look like a game of NCAA out there. Like we'll get into the exact details of the game, but from the two quarterback system to the very end, it looked like you and your buddy just messing around, like kicking up like the PS3 and just, Oh, uh, uh, you can hear it. You can hear it in my voice. It was bad. It was not fun. Yeah, not not, a, not what we're looking for. And I'm over here uh, in the third and a half stage of what the hell happened and why I literally, all right, so give my full experience. I went to the game, took my son. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I don't have the ACC network despite living in Tallahassee and having Comcast, which is the only option I have for TV. So I'm like, you know, getting the local, full local blackout feature. And then, you know, I'm just watching like the game cast on my phone. And, you know, we were up and then fell asleep at like 1130-ish. And I woke up like right around midnight, looked at my phone, saw like a bunch of texts. I was like, what, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then I saw what happened. And then I looked, jumped on Twitter. I was like, what the? And, you know, just the, 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 the play, the stupidity of the play, the stupidity of the you know, being in a game against Jacksonville State, I mean, I was, you know, I woke up again from a little nap at, at midnight and I, I couldn't go to sleep till like 1.30 in the morning because I was like in total shock at what happened after my little little nighttime nap. It was just ridiculous. Like, it was 17-7 to 7, and it felt like it had almost been put away. It almost felt like we were approaching garbage time um, when they were driving down the field. But then you throw in that Mackenzie Millen interception and it was just close enough that, like, there was no comfort whatsoever the whole game. You were never like, oh, phew. Thankfully, this week FSU is playing an FCS school. Like, this is an easy win. But for the last three years now, like, it was a near loss to Sanford. It was a near loss to Jacksonville State last year. And then it finally came back and been this year. Like, I saw somebody on Twitter. Um, her name's Carly Howard. She's a, like, funny FSU follow who said – at least like this was like the final like feather in the cap. Like there's no more FSU has a bull streak and like FSU has a winning season and like FSU hasn't lost to an FCS opponent. Like you finally got that like one bit of pride gone. So like, just welcome to Arby's like welcome to the nether. Well, I will say gladly that I am very happy that we could no longer see Florida state fans making jokes about Georgia Southern about four and eight, about any of that sort of nonsense. Like, it was embarrassing to say that, like, three coaches after it happened for Florida. And, you know, four coaches later, I guess now for us. I mean, depends on what you count Odell as. Uh, But, I mean, you know, the 
most embarrassing loss in school history. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, do you, all right. So you think it's more embarrassing than Boston college under Jimbo and then Wake Forest being shut out just because of the level of opponent. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think the, the level of opponent is really what makes it drastically worse. I was at the Wake Forest game, the 30 to zero game. It was my freshman year of college. You know, the positive out of that was Jeff Bowden was fired. They ended up hiring Jimbo Fisher in, the, in December of that season. And then, you know, seven years later, national title, title came. I don't see where the upside comes on this one. No one's getting fired for this one yet. And maybe maybe that's catalyst to, to starting that conversation. I don't know yet. I mean, it's it's a point of, of – it's a low point that we haven't seen in a long time. I mean, Wake – the Wake game, that was a decent Wake Forest team who ended up winning their, the, the ACC Atlantic, playing in the ACC title game to, I think it was Virginia Tech that year. I mean, before 2010, Virginia Tech was actually good at football. And I don't know what to even say. There's no, there, there is no positive that you can yeah, bring. There is nothing to, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't point at a coordinator. You can't point at a player. You can't point at, uh, you know, a, a particular segment of the ball that did particularly poorly. I mean, obviously the offense didn't score. The defense wasn't that bad. But, I mean, you can't even say that it was bad play calling. I mean, just they the, – the, the players didn't execute. And like Mike Norvell said last night, that's on the coaches. I mean yeah. – and it's on the entire staff. I mean, none of this team looked ready to play. None of this team from the from the first snap, we were down, you know, seven nothing, two drives in or whatever it was, and it was just like these guys. Okay, fine, we we're sleepwalking. You know, I mean, it's to be expected on a short week against an SCS team after an emotional win against a major national team like Notre Dame. Fine, and it kept going. I mean, I haven't had the, the years around the program like you guys have, but for, from where this program felt Monday to now sitting here Sunday night, yeah. the, the 180 in, you know, seven days is, is incredibly drastic. Uh, you know, it was last week, Norvell was building things. Every It seemed like everyone kind of went towards their optimistic end of their predictions. Seven wins felt like it was within reach. I, I mean, I don't know if you start talking is, is six. I mean, six was maybe like the high end of the team. We were talking yeah. seven, maybe eight. What bowl game are we looking for? Can we run through this little run of, of coastal of, of ACC games ahead of us? And I think you, when you look at this week, you're, you're now looking at the schedule, trying to find maybe when's the first win. I mean, you're looking at being an underdog up here against Wake Forest and we'll get to that in a little bit. The crazy part to me is we're having a very different conversation. If, if a tackle is made on the final play, yeah, it was it, the, the conversation would be, man, these guys really, really nearly let it slip by. But I think, you know, they, they didn't obviously, well, I mean, they let it slip by obviously, but this was a team that clearly, you know, seven days ago, we're recording at about nine o'clock on Sunday night. This time last week, you didn't realistically think we we're going to be beating Notre Dame. We were a good 30, 45 minutes into the game. And, you know, we, 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 we were showing nicely. And then this has been a quite a roller coaster of the seven days. Um, I mean, you've seen the program look 
like it can it can really start to climb back and then you've seen it look like it drops into the farthest hole of any abyss that they could have ever been in i mean and how do you reconcile and this is to me we're we're now at an existential point and that's the the, the weirdest part about it is one play could have changed that the the final play here changed that but like we're at an existential point now where you were just at a point where you were talking about okay maybe we'll be able to compete we're a top four or five team in the acc a lot of people even within the acc media and the national media were even saying that and is this a top 10 team in the acc now is it i mean do you trust this team to beat anybody at this point, no, and that's a you shouldn't. Inter- no, the interesting yeah. thing that you mentioned is this is what happens when you feel good about a near loss. And Mackenzie Milton, after the game, like verbatim said that verbatim goes when you start to pat yourself on the back after losing a game, and he and then he like hedged it. He's like not saying that we did that, but like when you have everybody patting on yourself on the back and like everybody telling you how good you are this is what happens. And he goes, if we play like this, we're not going to win a game. Like he, who has been around a national champion football team, <laughs> knows what it's like to be in a culture like that. Jermaine, Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson, I combined his name because he's just that good, the double 11, said this is embarrassing. Almost every answer had the word embarrassing in it because he, again, is somebody who has been around like these winning programs. Like he, they don't lose to FCS schools. And like a week ago, everybody was saying we had people, we had people, players, and people in the media saying FSU is back after a loss. And it seemed like a very premature crowning to like the point that they do like Michigan and Tennessee. And it's very upsetting and alarming to see because those are programs that haven't <laughs> dug themselves out of like that meteorocracy after ruling college football overall. And, and the team, when you say they're back, they're not back. That came to mind immediately was Texas. It, you know, I, you don't want to end up in that game where yeah. are we back? Are we not back forever? Um, we're kind of talked a lot of big picture uh, in a while. I'll go to here. What to you in the game itself was, was the most jarring from, from the play. I mean, obviously what we can save the final play, for its own afterwards, but, but where would you think the difference was made in the game? Oh, penalties, penalties, penalties. Like everybody said it. Mike Norvell said it himself. Did you say one? Did I just hype? Did I, I just... did. Yeah, you hijacked. Oh, I intercepted it. You oh, we're... you're the boss, man. It's yours. It's on. Oh, that is, yeah. Okay, yeah. Flex. Okay, I'll do it. But penalties. I just stole his answer. Hopefully, he wasn't <laughs> going to say it, so he's going to have something to add to it. But the well, fact that, add, uh, but I'll, I'll, we'll come back to it. Yeah. First. First and 10 becoming first and 25 every single time is just not helpful. It's not beneficial in any way whatsoever. There was no good to be had at any point. With and I, think that's really, I think that's really a good answer. And um, I was in the stands for the first half of the game. And like I mentioned, I wasn't able to get the ACC network and watch the second half. So, I mean, I can't really intelligently speak on the second half. I mean, and we we really got into the existential anger, uh, the multiple stages of grief a little bit earlier than we were planning on in the podcast. Yeah, we started processing it. Yeah, no, we 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 started talking a little bit about it, and instead of going down our our uh, our schedule here, we decided like, all right, we're just gonna go right into it. We we landed right in our emotions immediately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's I mean it's <laughs> one of the one of the most embarrassing losses. It's it's 
it's embarrassing as a fan, as a, as a player, if these kids are not embarrassed, if they're not furious, if they're not pissed, if they don't have any sort of response to this, if they don't go out there and play, they don't even need to beat Wake. Frankly, I mean, they don't. They, they need to go out there and put in the effort. I mean, that's what was like shocking to me. It's like yeah. they need to. Okay. They you need can see it live, you know, on the sidelines. You know, I mean, you can read down into what people do on the sidelines, and I think eighty percent of the time, that's you know, wish casting. You know, it's usually dumb sports people who are like they're dumb sports journalists, usually the big J types, who are like, okay, I see this guy on the sideline. He's his his shoulders are slumped a little bit. Like, dude, he's just got bad posture. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> but this was one of those games where like the body language on the sideline, like nobody nobody really seemed interested in the game. It was like, all right, we're gonna we're we really are gonna just walk right through this. And then things like last night happened. Uh, yeah, and Perry, you mentioned turn the penalties eleven for one fourteen yesterday. Um if you had to pick a side of the ball, I mean, I thought the defense altogether was fine um, yeah. outside of the final two drives. I, my biggest question is what, what the hell was that offense? That is the most, like I mentioned before, it was so concerning that on the second drive of the game, you thought it was time to try out your fancy, like hilarious two quarterback system for no reason when you don't have any points. So to me, this loss falls on Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham because they did not put together a game plan to expose a team that was it 38-0, to 48-0 to UAB. They didn't score a point the week before against UAB. And if you have to consider the fact that FSC was on a lower level than UAB, then there's not the progress that we have been like not only deluded to believe by the coaching staff and the players from performance last week, but as media, we honestly have like really like paid into this like big lie about all of it. So it's not. I don't really consider myself media to be honest with you. I mean, no, I I'm, barely consider it. Like I shave my beard <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not a big J journalist, obviously. I'm not a small J journalist. I'm maybe a medium J journalist. Um, like I don't use the word we in like writing about Florida state. Uh, but anyway, um, I mean, no, just talking about it. It's just frustrating. Like, I don't know everything. There's, there's so many things that, 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 um, you know, I mean, I think we, we, we really need to talk about this in, in sections. And I think we've talked a lot about the frustration with the football game itself the the players the football the coaches and what they've done and then I really want to talk in a little bit about what the coaches and the players said after the game because there's some things there and you know you, you typically get coach speak after losses like this oh it's my fault you know we've we've got to execute better we've got to we've got to put them in better positions to succeed stuff like that and then there's what happened after this game that we're, we've, you know, at, upon reviewing film, I noticed and thought we discussed in the Tom Bong Nation chat that was just an outright lie from, from a coach. But um, I think before we get into that and really the existential conversation about what Mike Norvell is doing in this particular part of the world, um, I want to talk about something positive. So last night, like I said, I was there for the first half of the game. 
And the reason I was only there for the first half of the game is because I, uh, I took my, my nearly two-year-old son to his first football game and uh, picked a real good one for him. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Memorable one, at least. Yeah, and yeah, no, early. Yeah, no, we were, we were offered uh, Champions Club tickets uh, from a friend of mine. And, you know, reason, very, very reasonably priced and said, okay, that's perfect. If he gets hungry, we can bring him inside and get him some food and he can still watch the game. And so like, okay, great, perfect. Let's take him out to the first game. So we left the, left the house, um, get ready to, we, we get over there, get on campus. We park, we have a secret little spot. I'm not going to tell anyone about, can't pay me enough to tell you. And every game, by the way, you can always park there few thousand dollars you can't pay me enough a few more thousand dollars maybe you can't but um so we get on campus um we park start walking to the stadium and and little dude uh he's he's won the fourth actually he he's uh looking around looking at all these people like what's going on here like they're all wearing the same sort of shirt i am and so you know we get in there and we uh it's raining on the way in we have to take like one of these little carts and we get up there and um yeah, he he's he's two years old. He's the funniest little dude in the world. And we get inside, and he's he's still like shocked by all these people. And then he sees like food, and he's like, "All right, food, cheese, food," and just like asks for food and cheese before kickoff and all that. Get him a little bit of food, and then uh, then 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 the band starts playing, and they get ready to run out on the field. And so we walk outside, um, we're up in the Champions Club, so we're in, you know, we grab our food, come to the little thing, look down on it, or, you know, showing our son the, showing our son, that's Renegade, that's the band, uh, that's Chief Old Steel on Renegade, and he's like, doggy, doggy, and <laughs> then, uh, you know, we got the, the spear on fire, and they plant it, and he's like, still overwhelmed at this point. So we, you know, grabbed our food. We got to the seats that we had in the Champions Club area, like outside. And we, you know, brought out like a little bit of food for him to munch on because a two-year-old, if you give him a snack, he's going to be happy. And I think the coolest thing about it was, you know, we started teaching him like the tomahawk chop, yeah. uh, you know, which he started to grasp a little bit. It was more of like a fist than a, than a chop, but Hey, we'll take what we We're can getting get. there. Yeah. 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 And like the, the most fun thing, and this is like the coolest thing ever, like on third down, like, you know, the stadium starts like, uh, like knocking on the, knocking on the seats, knocking on the ground. And he starts like, you know, he loves it. And he just starts like, kidding <laughs> ah, the seat in front of us and stomping his little feet and having a great time. And he, he was he he was probably the only person who came away with that memory from or with that game other than my wife and I of course with good memories. So um, I, I mean I think that's like that's one of the coolest experiences you can ever have. I mean for the Florida State fans out there or you know any fan who's a fan of any team like if you like the Saints for whatever reason and you go to a game in New Orleans <laughs> uh, if you if you ever get a chance to take like your young child when when they're old enough to understand clapping at least yeah and they will be able to understand like the the fun social parts and he had a great time we had a great time we ended up leaving at halftime and like i mentioned earlier fortunately don't have the acc network at home couldn't even get like a pirated stream to work so 
Yeah, that was that was that was at least there was one thing enjoyable about last night. Yeah, I mean, if it uh, my my first uh, LSU game, I'm say LSU grad. My first LSU game was a was a loss too. I mean, that was to Florida, a little different, but still a loss. You know, here I am, twenty years later, still doing all right. Perry, your first game? Oh, my first game. You guys won't be happy to hear this. It was uh, Florida, Kentucky. And like 19, Jared Lawson, however you say his last name, Lorenzen? was the quarterback. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I went to that game with my dad. Um, I chanted the Wildcats or Stinky Rats the whole game. And then my first Bucks game was two years ago because my girlfriend was working at Raymond James and she got tickets because she worked for the stadium sponsor. And it was a loss and it was beautiful because it was what I had come to expect. And it went like with the nature of what I wanted from the Bucks. Like last year, watching them win a Super Bowl did not feel real or natural. So how many interceptions did James throw? It was with it was. I don't know if he was playing. Ryan Fitzpatrick might have been playing. He might have been. I'm not sure I can allow this slander of my hero. Just give me five touchdowns in a route. (laughs) he had a well like 110 yards or whatever it was a lot more than uh but i'm happy to have him on my team I, i'm sure florida state fans would love to have him back on theirs uh especially after what we saw yeah sunday right it, uh, <laughs> it's like milton didn't yeah. play good but he didn't play bad like it i think shattered a lot of florida state fans who thought oh mackenzie milton is the answer who had those like rose-colored glasses who always think the backup quarterback is the answer no matter what they're always better and it's what they thought when james blackman was starting it's what they thought when deandre francois was starting it's th- what they thought when alex hornybrook started after they wanted him after- instead of james blackman like it's just the endless circle of life and jordan travis put up what was it, 38 on this team last year? He put up like a good nut. So it's not even like the quarterback question is settled. If anything, it just seems weirder and more confusing and just like what is happening. Well, as usual, the best quarterback on your team is the backup. Mm. Unless you have like Tom Brady. Like you're not like enamored. No one is ever enamored with a quarterback. I mean, it's it's like a – it's like the offensive line. I mean, you could be, you know, peak Brett Belima, Wisconsin, and you're going to be like, our offensive line really didn't do well enough. It's like fans point to a handful of things like, oh, the defensive call was terrible. They shouldn't have called prevent. And like last night was one of the few times I think I've ever seen fans say, oh, they should have called prevent, even though, I mean, two dudes in this easy tackle. Yeah, I mean, we can – we can stay right there if you want with the last play of the game. Um, you kind of alluded to this earlier, so I'm just going to go ahead and, and set the table with it. Uh, so after the game, this is what uh, Mike Norvell, when asked about the coverage, said, quote, we ran a two deep man under, wanted to make sure we got pressure on the quarterback, but having coverage over the top. They still had one timeout to not give up something other ne- underneath or the intermediate. We did not go to immediate prevent and as Juan said kind of everyone it seemed like on Twitter was how are you not in prevent remember we're I think 59 yards with their own 41 away from the end zone so plenty of field still out there one timeout left for Jacksonville State three-point lead six seconds um it it, to me 
I couldn't believe how easy it was. That that was the part that seemed shocking to me was how simple it seemed. And and, and maybe the guys are gassed, but I, I really I still really can't explain it. And and even then, and Juan, you were talking about this earlier, that wasn't really even the defense that they had out there that Mike Norvell's talking about. Yeah. So this is all right. The first thing I'm going to address before I get into the Norvell part. Um, there's nothing inherently wrong with not using pre-dent defense. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Like, like I said, like all the time, we typically have fans like, oh, we used prevent, we blew it, blah, blah, blah. This is one of the very few times. I, I, I mean, I can't remember the last time actually I've ever heard a fan say we should have used prevent before last night. Um, because usually it comes in, in, you know, prevent typically ends up working when you're, you know, when you're up more than a, than a, than a field goal. And Mike Norvell ended up going further a little bit with that answer and saying that they wanted to make sure they didn't get into field goal range. It was, I believe, it's either 56 or 59-yard touchdown from their own 41, yeah, correct, 59. And yeah. so they would have had to throw like a 25, 30-yard pass to realistically get within field goal range, which, you know, I can understand why with them having one timeout and, and you know, that they – have had a you know potential to kick and tie the game that you'd want to stop it there uh and 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 make sure that you, you stop them from getting the game tying field goal i mean we watch it every every sunday in the nfl i mean tonight's you know the first night of nfl but i mean every nfl game every week it seems to come down to a, a field goal aside from from Jameis slapping the hell out of uh out of the hell out of um help yeah. me out of green bay yeah, Green Bay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, out of Aaron Rodgers, mind you. <laughs> um, but so there's nothing inherently wrong with using cover two man under in a situation like that. There's nothing inherently wrong with using cover one robber in a situation like that. There's nothing wrong with not using prevent defense when you know that you've got X amount of space that you don't want to give away in a short time period where they can hit a field goal to tie the game and go to overtime. I think that's more than reasonable. Now, where Mike Norvell, where he loses me personally, is he said that they were in two man under and trying to get pressure. And you go back, you watch that play, look at the safeties. They weren't in two man. They were in robber, which is uh, cover one with the second safety being underneath in uh, – uh, more free roll in the in the middle of the field. Why why would he lie about that? I mean, it's not at that point. It's in the press conference, so he's had time to go into the locker room. He's had time to talk to his coaches. He's had time to prepare with the sports information department, you know, on what they may be able to expect in a press conference that evening. And I can guarantee you, if he didn't hear the call in the headset, which he may not have. They may have been like talking about offensive or, or game plan type stuff anyway. If he had looked up, he would have seen that it was not cover two. And I mean, if he had talked to his coaches, he would have known it was not cover two. Why would he lie about something like that? That's, that's something that to me is extremely frustrating. It's something that we've talked with, with, with our folks at Tomahawk Nation, and we're going to be asking to try to get an answer you know, the next, the next 
press conference we have availability with. I don't understand why he would lie about something so so silly. I mean, it, it, it what's really frustrating about it is if it was if it was a one-off incident, and if you know even even if you had a loss this bad, even if you're coming off the heels of a bad loss. But when you couple that with the whole, you know, the whole, I talked to every player, you know, which we gave him the benefit of the doubt. He misspoke. Fine. Marvin Wilson didn't so much give him the benefit of the doubt. And where, where, where do you place your trust at this point in this program if, if you know that the head coach is doing more than coach speak lying? Like, Jimbo Fisher would tell you, okay, Matthew Thomas, he ripped a bong hard and he pissed the biggest THC level in any drug test of all time. That's an ankle. Uh, he's, he's got personal reasons. He's got an ankle. I mean, that's normal coach lying. Willie Taggart was too stupid to lie. Mike Norvell decides to lie about two very obvious things. Why? I, I just don't understand. I mean, that's a, if we're going to even call them mistruth, he told us LaDamian Webb was coming back. He like swore that he was not leaving the program all the way back in December. That's a normal coach lie, I think. That's a normal coach lie. It's just these small things, honestly, don't concern my trust in his more. part of the program is more than the fact that every time we hear – this team is more invested. This team is bought in. This team knows what it needs to do. It's not pro. Like, it's not proven whatsoever. Last week, every single thing that they said they were going to correct and look at after Notre Dame was worse against Jacksonville State, a worse team who you're paying money to come and blow out. So, like, there's levels to how bad that loss is, like, you can't say, oh, we're going we're gonna to make sure we stop self-inflicting these mistakes when it's now become reflective of this team. Like, that was some of the most uncompetitive, boring, like undisciplined football that you could have imagined. And it was like they were playing football for the very first time. And I think that's more reflective of the coaching staff than the players. Just if anyone's curious, I did try to look up uh, the kicker for Jacksonville State to get an idea of what that range might look like. His career mm-hmm. long, he used to kick at Georgia Tech, 42, 0 for 4, 0 for 3 yeah. career, over so 50. So baffling. 42, I mean, you're talking 25-yard line? I mean, that's a that's yeah. a very long way to go from where they were. Um, like just 41, a, yeah, no, it's a it's a 34-yard pass. So, and and there there were six seconds left, if I recall. Six seconds, yeah. 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 It should have been so, a one-and-done play. It should have just – Yeah, it was, an, it was an end of the game. It should have been, it should have been done. That quarterback did not think that was going anywhere near the end zone. He threw it up. Zarek Cooper prayed that somebody would catch it. You could even tell. They looked surprised. Everybody was like, how did this happen? Because it happened so quickly because there was so little effort given. I mean, and after the game, you the, could hear the – The two cheerleaders that are out there, there was a, a, a guy and a girl cheerleader that you could see both of them, like the utter shock. As it happens, game was done. It was 17 7. It was should have been like it should have been done in the first quarter. There are just so many small things that added up together, equal into what, like you said, is I don't know if I'm there yet. Maybe it's still the denial, the worst program lost, like the hundredth. Well, it it is. Stadium history. Without question. It, it's just 
the piece of resistance of like how terrible that game was. Like there was just a lot, lot, lot that was bad. That was the foie gras of absolute dog shite. Yeah. I don't know if that <laughs> that it needs to be censored or what. Uh, <laughs> Nine forty-two timestamp. Uh, but I mean, it's just. I mean, that was. I was at the Wake Forest game. I was at that Boston College game. I mean, I've been at some. I, my four years in Tallahassee were the 2006, 7, 8, and 9 season. That was the worst four-year stretch of Florida State football since 1976. We've eclipsed that. I mean, we, we made that last four years of Bobby Bowden look like a great time these last four years. Well, and I think it, the, the, the real worry now on our, I guess, injustice of college football is is – you're not done. And there's another game coming up here in six days where this team's going to have to pick itself up off the mat and now find themselves heading to Wake Forest as either a five and a half, six and a half point underdog. Where, where, I don't even want to really think we can even break down Wake Forest, what that should look like. What, what is there from this team at this point? If you guys, I mean, you guys are saying it yourselves, this feels like a rock bottom. I don't know where to go from here. How do you get on the bus the and go back worrying, What is the purpose of worrying about matchups? I mean, look, we can I, – I, I can study the film all day. I can study uh, – I mean, I've done film review for Tomahawk Nation since 2012. I can tell you what every coverage was on that game if you want me to go and break it all down. But it doesn't matter. If, these, if this team doesn't show up, if this coaching staff doesn't take it serious – if they put performance like that in, frankly, ever again, it's a fireable offense. I mean, that was, I think, the worst performance in my time as a Florida State fan or, or student or anything. I mean, it was abject. I mean, it was uh, – there, there's not, not enough things I can do on a family-friendly podcast to uh, describe just how truly bad that was. And I'm serious. I mean – they're, the team didn't even look like they wanted to play. They, if, you can, if, we could talk scheme all the time. I can talk about Fuller's scheme. I can talk about Norvell and Dillingham's scheme. What does it matter? I mean, Dave Clawson has got a, a Wake Forest team. They, 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 they're, they're slow at the mesh point intentionally to mesh the linebackers' reads. Does it matter if this particular team shows up? What 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 are we doing here? What I mean, what is what is the purpose of Florida State football being like this at this point? Uh, do you do you think this coaching staff can even come back from this? I mean, will the players let them come back from this? This was it's it, it is a program defining a program changing loss. I mean, I don't care how many players you bring in at this point. What, do, you, do you think you can bring in you? Do you think you can do enough this season? to keep your Travis Hunter? I mean, yeah, because that's, I mean, before the season, we thought six wins. Like, I think this is a devastating loss and yeah, it's terrible and all of this, but like we had this weird expectation that this team was supposed to be better just because of the loss. And now like this singular loss, yes, it's terrible, but like so many teams have terrible losses every year, and it's not like this Jacksonville State team is like an FCS pushover either. They made it to the semifinals last year of the FCS playoffs. Like they're a decent-ish team, 
no, this is not excusing the loss or saying that it isn't possibly one of like at least at least top three worst in program history. What are the other two? Oh, Wake Forest, Boston College, when they gave up under Jimbo. Miami last year might even be worse. Like, that was just an absolute beatdown. That was just disgusting and demoralizing against one of your absolute rivals. All right, Wake so, Forest won the Atlantic that year. They but still, that was a shutout at home to Wake Forest and the eight. Like, it was like a symbol of, like, symbolizing that FSU was dead. That was the. You fired no- about him because of it. Yeah. Who, who's getting fired today? Who's getting fired tomorrow? I mean,. That's what Mike Norvell said they're gonna have to evaluate personnel. They're like, I don't know if that meant evaluating personnel on the field or that meant evaluating coaching personnel, but there's no way there aren't ramifications from this game. Everybody's on a short leash at this point. We're reaching Willie Tiger coaching numbers. No, it's worse. It's no, no, no. I'm sa- I'm saying head coaching record, not record, just number of games coached. Oh. We're reaching that point where they decided it was enough to fire Willie Tiger. So we're just at the same point. You can't keep this revolving door going. The point is to all of this that they need to keep pushing forward. It's not a lost season because we're two games into the season. It is a lost season. I'm sorry. I mean, no, because you're, we were always, we always, always, always said six wins, get the season over with. But that always included a 99% for Jacksonville State. I mean, you never, you never had a high number on Notre Dame. Notre Dame was always going to be a thirty percent type game. Um, Clemson was a, is at best a fifteen percent type game, which corresponds to like I believe a three touchdowns uh, underdog, which realistically Florida State will be in that game. But especially away. But I think the 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 frustrating part is you know I don't know that we can really talk about where the record is expected to be in reference to where we we talked about at the beginning of the year, because this loss shifts that paradigm. I mean, you shift your expectations down one win entirely. If we all talk about six wins, we're talking about five wins now, man. I mean, yeah, I guess it, four too, if you're taking away one of those guaranteed. Exactly. I mean, that the, is, rest of the schedule becomes in question, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the way, obviously if we had this conversation, 25, 27 hours ago, we would be talking about, okay, yeah, I mean, this team, they're going to beat Jacksonville State. They're probably a 70% team against Wake. Um, and, you know, we are, we'll go through the schedule from there. I mean, it just – it changes how you view the season entirely. I mean, I don't think you can talk about it in, in the context of this is a team you expect or think can be a six-win team because – they they lost one of those six wins, one of the, the the guaranteed win, the one we paid four hundred grand for. Don't even know what the identity of the team is, really. Right. Well, that's what I was getting ready to ask. Is is if we're, if we're gonna, you know, when we look at this, I know we like like we just talked about, we can't we can't look ahead to Wake Forest and say, well, is it Wake Forest? Is it? It really doesn't matter what the team is next Saturday on the schedule. As we just saw, it was an FCS school. Granted, FCS is better than it's ever been and all that, but I mean, this was an FSU loss more than it was a Jacksonville state win mm. you're questioning you know what is the identity I mean you, you were taking your best running back off the field all night I don't I mean I Juan, you and I wrote about it last week at the quarterback position you know Milton Travis it almost looked like they didn't have an answer and look I'm not yeah. gonna I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and not not call myself out on this one I was saying they should treat this as a preseason game and use both 
um, because they should roll. Quite frankly, they probably still should have rolled. Um, I, I almost felt that they didn't, in making the switch to Milton, did they give up on their run game? Where do you see the identity of the team starting Saturday? They, there's going to have to be another game. There's going to have to be something to, as Mike Norvell said all year, keep climbing. How can you keep climbing? What what can be done if there is a hope to save the year? Well, the one thing they did well was run the ball. I mean, I think Jay Sean Corbin finished with 110, 115 yards, something to that effect. I don't recall off the top of my head, but he has been probably the main bright spot for this football team this year. I mean, he he brought breakaway speed that he showed in his freshman year at Texas A&M, and he came back and showed – um, Brian, do you know how many yards it was last night? 15 for 109. Yeah. So, I mean, 110 yards, you know, pretty. Seven pretty and a half per carry. carry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and they fed him. 15 carries is not, you know, starving the kid. But the question is, if you, and I think Perry was mentioning it earlier, where, what, identity-wise, they always want to run the ball. But if you have Mackenzie Milton, who was something in the, the teens for 31 passes for 130-something yards, why are you still passing the ball that much? I mean, you're not having success. You, you know that this receiver group is the weakness of the offense, without a doubt. I mean, I don't think at this point, two games in, anyone could say anything different. They are the worst group, you know, the worst position group on offense. Pass catchers. Don't catch the ball. I mean, the one thing they really showed well in the first game against Notre Dame was blocking, and they did a really nice job in that. But if Milton first drive, if Milton has a good game and doesn't have anybody to catch a ball, does it matter? I mean, you know, do you? <laughs> why, why are you throwing throwing the ball at brick hands? I mean, you know, at least. Jordan Travis obviously is not a polished passer. He's not a pocket passer. He's not a guy you're going to be able to expect to rely on to throw for 300 yards game. But you're going to be able to get, in addition to that 110 yards from Jay Sean Corbin, you know, if you run the read option or the zone read or the the, the uh, RPOs off that, quite a bit more. I mean, and, you know, we talked about it earlier. Perry mentioned that they scored 38 against this team last year with Jordan Travis quarterback. This team, th- th- that was a team that went to the, 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 the FCS semifinals. I mean, they went to the college football playoff, not playoff, championship semifinals. And you just sort of went with one quarterback. And, you know, we, we, we had that article, Brian, like you mentioned, that I said Milton should be a starter and take most of the reps. And I still believe that. He should be the starter and he should take most of the reps. But he shouldn't take every rep. I mean – you, one thing I mentioned in that article is that the, the, the kid is on a, a load management sort of, sort of uh, uh, coaching thing. You can't give the kid a ton of reps. You can't, you know, continue to push him because you know that his ankle is going to get numb if he plays too many snaps. So you wasted a lot of snaps on Jacksonville State. Why? you know that you got Jordan Travis. You can alternate that. I mean, I, I, I said jokingly in our Slack chat before the game, you know, uh, a quarter or three drives or 20 plays for each quarterback. And uh, in the second half, 
Chubba, Chubby Potato was what I refer to Chubba Purdy and Tate Rodemaker combined. And they didn't see the ball. They didn't see the game. So I don't know why you wouldn't play both quarterbacks. It's frustrating. Yeah, and just the number-wise, it was Milton 18 for 31, 133 yards, one touchdown, one pick, three carries on the ground, 16 yards. Uh, Jordan Travis 0 for 3 passing, one carry for seven. Uh, didn't see almost – I don't think any of them in the second half. I'm sure we'll hear a ton about their their toughness and their will to bounce back this week. Regardless, Saturday, Wake Forest, 3.30 kickoff on ESPN. Of course, we'll have everything covered for you leading up to the game on Tomahawk Nation. We should be back here again next week, hopefully. So make sure you subscribe and stay tuned to everything we bring you throughout the week here on Seminole Wrap. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.